time it is if you heard that really smooth ass music by the absurdist that means that this isn't a typical episode of tbp this is tbp's on ramping with d where i take another attempt at on ramping someone who a would ordinarily not give a damn about bitcoin or b has heard about bitcoin and just has just a shroud of mystery around it and i can help kind of alleviate that shroud, be the fog lights, if you will, for somebody trying to get introduced to Bitcoin. So, I have two guests here, and I'm actually going to let them introduce themselves right about now. So, uh, I'm Dylan Vedral, and I've been working with D and some of the other guys on the podcast uh, behind the scenes. But um, So, the third guest is a friend of mine and a co-worker of mine, which I'll let him introduce himself. But uh, he doesn't really care about Bitcoin per se. He doesn't care about much besides music and family, but he cares deeply about those. So I introduced him to Bitcoin and what I know about it, and he shockingly was very intrigued. So why don't you go ahead, number three? Okay, now, I mean, come on. You know, I also like food a whole lot too. So <laughs> I, 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 I definitely missed that one. You're right. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Anyway, uh, my name is Brent Jones. Uh, I've known Dylan for quite a while. Uh, D, I've just had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, yes, Bitcoin is something that is new to me. Cryptocurrency in general is new to me. However, it is intriguing. Um, blockchain in general is intriguing to me because of its application toward uh, its application towards music and uh, that kind of thing. Um, I've been a musician for, wow, since I was a teenager. I'm 42 now. And, uh, again, uh, just blockchain technology is, is amazing. And, and Bitcoin is amazing because it deals with money. And we all like money, right? Everybody likes money. Maybe. I can't. That's a blanket statement. I guess not everyone likes money, but I know... I like when I look in my bank account and I see a larger number and I look in my Bitcoin wallet and I see a larger valuation, then I'm like, heck yeah. Well, I would more... say everyone, huh? every, everyone loves money. They just, not everyone loves working hard for money. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Not a lot of people want to work hard for it or understand it. Like since I've done the show, the, the, just the understanding of money is something that I guess people never think about. And no, where it just comes the, from how it's just generated. the very the very first uh, podcast with your sister, you know, on ramping with uh, Janice. Uh, you just explaining, you know, well, what does a paper dollar mean to you? I mean, who who yeah. actually sits there and thinks that? Me, and that's why I have these, I mean, these crazy shows. <laughs> exactly, but not many. Yeah. They're just willing to go out and spend it. So, yeah, it's it's definitely been a fun ride. But I'm here to on ramp you, Frank. So about blockchain. First of all, I need to know what you do know or you don't know. So how much do you know about blockchain? Unfortunately, not very much. Man, not very I mean, much. honestly, uh, when uh, 
you invited me to do the podcast, I did try to get a little background info on uh, on blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency in general. Um, and, you know, beyond uh, reading the Wikipedia page, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, well, okay, you know, I say that. That's not completely true because um, Imogen Heap, the thing that she started up a while mm, ago. Mycelium. Um, yeah, exactly. When that started, that's probably the first time I had heard about it, but I wasn't exactly at, at that point, it was a 10,000 foot view for me. You know, I, mm -hmm. I really didn't, I really didn't dig that deep into it from that standpoint I, because it was very early, you know, and, and usually when so many things come out, come and go, come and go, come and go, uh, so few things take fruition in comparison to the number of things that are produced. So I wanted to give it some time mm -hmm. and it's, it's been a little while and, and I don't know exactly how much traction, uh, it's getting, but mm -hmm. you know, with, uh, with me kind of interested in Bitcoin now, I think, uh, I'm also looking at that too. You know, it's kind of a natural thing for me. It's a, so with with that specific project, it's evolved into something called Ujo Music, mm -hmm. and it is moving. It's moving slow, but mm. um, essentially it uses, uh, I guess, a use case you could call of the Ethereum network, a thing called a smart contract. And mm. all that is is a contract that can be verified that it's been signed by two different parties, but you don't need humans to be involved for that verification. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like automated business, if you think about it. And it allows a musician to do something like put their music, the data to their music on the internet, on a blockchain, the licensing agreements to their music on the internet, their cost for their data, all the things mm. that a musician usually doesn't see come back to them when it comes from a money aspect built right. into the song from a digital right. aspect. So whenever that song gets streamed or whenever that song gets played or played on a radio station or whenever that, you know, the, the really the, the, you know, the, the possibilities are endless that that producer can get a cut. Anybody can get a cut because it's built into the Smartron contract, which is programmed mm -hmm. into the data of that song. Mm -hmm. So now musicians aren't just left out in the cold. They're only going to be left out in the cold if they're not educated on the processes of Ujo and how to use that platform. Now, I don't think it's anywhere mm -hmm. near alpha even, but I do know that it's a lot further than it was just in a brainchild from Imogen Heap. Like, mm -hmm. they're actually getting tangible code written. Yeah. And so that's that project, and that's that possibility is loud because of the thing called a blockchain. So mm -hmm. I'll try and break down a blockchain and what it is and why it's so doggone important and why the obvious first application is money. So... If you remember, like, so there's this discipline of mathematics called cryptography. I'm right. not going to get too deep into it, but you've probably done it before in your life in the form of some sort of puzzle and didn't know you were doing it. So mm -hmm. if you imagine A equals 1, B equals 2, C equals 3, then what would Z equal? 26. 26, boom. So by using cryptography, we put fancy words on everything mathematicians do, you could say, well, let's let A equal 1 plus 4, and B equal 2 plus 4, and 3 mm -hmm. equal C plus 4. Then Z would mm -hmm. equal 26 plus 4, right? Yeah, 26 plus 4. 26 plus 4. So that little switch is a code, and it's actually cryptography. You've crypt cryptified. That's not a word. You've used cryptography. <laughs> it is now. To, you've cryptified it. We've, we've <laughs> success. <laughs> success with cryptify. But you now have created a code. So you could give someone a string of random numbers and you say, hey, these numbers aren't so random. Here's a key. If you take this key, you can unlock that code. Now, a human doing that takes a very, very long time, maybe, depending on who the human is. But a computer does stuff like that in its sleep. So, you know, literally in its sleep, it's crunching numbers. So awesome. that's that's basically the math behind how why Bitcoin works. Now, add about a gazillion layers of complexity to something called a SHA-256 cryptography script, 
which right. basically means that it doesn't matter what the length is of data you're putting into this key, this cipher, I believe what it's called, is going to spit out 256 bits. And that's phenomenal. I could type a sentence that I could type a paragraph or I could type one letter and it's going to give me 256 bits. Hmm. That's that's there's some math going on in there that not even I want to even look at. Right. But right. it's very complex. Now. The way a blockchain works, right, a block is full of transactions. Mm-hmm. We call them transactions because the first application was money, but where they are, all they are are transfers of, of data. Mm-hmm. Like that is going to some place and coming out another place. A transaction has occurred, mm-hmm. and these transactions go transactions go into a block, and that is connected to the chain of blocks. Mm-hmm. Each chain, each block before it, is cryptographically secured to it. It, it cannot be tampered with. Mm-hmm. In fact, you would need computation on order in the millions just for a ten minute for the Bitcoin blockchain. A mm-hmm. ten-minute window to try and change one transaction, mm. and you would need millions of dollars of computation for that attempt, and you'd have to attempt every ten minutes. Mm. And so, a little bit of game theory goes into these blocks, and mathematically, like provably through mathematics, if you're six blocks deep from the mm-hmm. tail of the blockchain, that can't yeah. be changed. Wow, that level of computation does not exist yet. It just doesn't exist. But here's the beauty of the Bitcoin algorithm. The more computation that goes into securing it, it's like it only adds on to itself. It doesn't matter how much computation there ever would be because they'll always be securing the Bitcoin network. So that's six blocks. It's You can't change it, right? Right. So Bitcoin's a little slow, right? So you run a mm-hmm. business and you say, hey, you can pay me in Bitcoin, but you got to stick around for 10 minutes so I can see it get into a block. That's not going to work. Yeah. You're like, dude, just mm-hmm. give me my give me my McDouble so I can leave. Like I'm trying to <laughs> trying to get out right. of here. So what Ethereum has done, Ethereum is a lot faster. Ethereum confirmations are, I think, on average, you know, I don't want to spitball, but it's in like within ten seconds. Right? Okay. So after sixty seconds, it's a it's it's a done deal. Okay. Right? That transaction's gone through. Ethereum wasn't built to be money. But people are treating it as such. Just like probably seashells never knew they would be money. But we were like, hey, these these shits are really pretty. Let's Mm. just start using them as currency. So that's how that went along. So the blockchain allows for this irrefutable chain of data transference because it's secured by these thousands of thousands of computers doing... In fact, I know this for a fact. It's the largest computational network that's ever existed on the planet. Hmm, interesting. Ever. It is massive. Um, these are probably numbers I should start knowing before I go into the show, but uh, <laughs> something on the order of 1.6 billion giga hashes per second. And a hash is a calculation. Jeez. A hash yeah. is what I said when I said you take A and you make it 1 plus 4, and B right. and you make to go backwards to take the key and unlock that. That's called a hash. Mm-hmm. And right, right now, the Bitcoin network is doing 1.6 to 1.7 billion giga hashes a second. Jeez. Yeah, like wrap your head around like that. That's ma- that's why I myself keep faith in the currency because it's like, oh, right. it's not some really powerful dude up top who's going to swipe his pin and all of a sudden my value of the things that I work for is different. It's right. math saying this has value and people are putting this value in it. So it's... It's basically like math. I have faith in Bitcoin because I have faith in math. Right. So what are they securing? A ledger. That's it. Mm -hmm. Debits and credits, inputs and Mm -hmm. outputs. But this ledger is shot to all these computers all at the same time, right? So say someone does get lucky and it's decentralized all over the globe. Say someone does get lucky and they find one node with one ledger and they're like, ha, I'm going to change this transaction and make it look like I sent the money when I actually didn't. Well, Mm -hmm. all those other ledgers that don't match it are going to look at that ledger and say, "Mm, no bueno. You're obviously Mm -hmm. wrong because all of us are in real time and we're correct. But you're Mm -hmm. in real time and you're different from all uh, all of our other ones. So, no. It spits it out. Okay. So, where do those... 
machines reside? I mean, Ooh. what computers? All over the place. So we can take a little history lesson. In 2008, um, the world almost ended <laughs> when that stock, when the <laughs> stock market crashed and we were like a day away from straight up Great Depression. This guy named Satoshi Nakamoto, now it's either a guy or a group of people, invented Bitcoin. And the way the algorithm is built in is there's a difficulty, right? Mm-hmm. So every for every 10 days, the difficulty level will adjust according to how much computation has been added or subtracted from the network. But, you, but it's always designed so a new block enters the system every 10 minutes, mm-hmm. right? So it started off with just Satoshi and his laptop. He built up this white paper and he said, hey, nerd community, uh, I built up this currency. I think it's a pretty cool idea. You can join the network by going here and doing this. I'm going to go ahead and fire it up. So he Mm -hmm. fired up his laptop and he started mining these blocks, right? These computers that are securing these, making these new blocks and securing that chain. He was the Mm -hmm. only computer on the network. So the difficulty was near zero. Right. He was just mining. Over and over again. Mm-hmm. Then another computer got involved, and they started mining. Then another, and another, and another. And then you've got a small community of this little network of computers that are like, hey, we've got this currency. I'll give you some socks if you send me some of the currency. And they're like, cool, mm-hmm. whatever. Alpaca socks was the official first transaction. Somebody <laughs> sent another guy. Yep. And then they were like, nice. what? Okay, whatever. The second transaction, somebody in America bought somebody in Great Britain a pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> wow <laughs> a 10,000 bitcoin dollar is now wor- that is a million dollar pizza yeah close to a million dollar pizza so yeah that's the second transaction that's a legendary I hope that transaction. was good I hope yeah. it was really really good that's <laughs> the most delicious pizza <laughs> in the history of man there should be a museum like a little bit yeah. but um so then people start to make that connection that's all it takes is that connection they're like oh if I send somebody these data these ones and zeros they're gonna give me a thing cool and so that's what started all that and then mining became a huge deal because people were like whoa if somebody's actually willing to trade something of tangible value for this bitcoin i'm gonna start mining right Right. so that was like one of the first phases people were just mining it mining it the difficulty Mm -hmm. has now increased to wait i got i got easy access to this number the difficulty has increased to – I don't have easy access to that number. The next difficulty will increase <laughs> in three days. Um, but the, I'll put it to you like this. There's these massive mining farms, probably about the size of like a Walmart distribution center, full nice. of ASICs is what they're called, action-specific interface chips that are specifically mm. designed to mine Bitcoin and secure Bitcoin. And they're all over the planet. And they're huge, massive, bunch in California, some in Washington. Okay. You know, so, go ahead. So you were stating, uh, so you were stating originally these were individuals doing this. Yeah, it was on people's uh, laptops. Correct. Like, for example, uh, Frank, we, we had a coworker come in one day and she said, hey, I've got all this computer equipment if anyone wants to uh, buy a few things or just take this off our hands. And uh, we kind of, you know, just asked, you know, where she got all this. And she just stated, well, my husband was uh, mining for Bitcoin, but it was costing us more in electricity than it was in whatever <laughs> we were getting. So um, because I think they were getting pretty much nil. I wound up with those uh, those video cards. Well, two of them anyway. I mean, you, you've got some good uh, product on your hands now. But the, the well, thing right. is, <laughs> so the individuals were originally doing this and you're now saying it's now Bitcoin type farms yeah mining like who who, my who's doing this who who's behind that who's running it and and what does that mean you know it's it's a lot of different companies there's bitfury there's btcc anybody with a capital can start building one but you know it costs maybe the entry fee is probably like 1.52 mil just for the opportunity to make your money back um That's a great question, man. I'll start writing down all these great questions. As far as the funding comes from, most of these mining farms just started up by mining and getting really good at mining. And now that they mined enough Bitcoin, um, they can start buying other businesses and buying other small mines that show up. It's very – they call it mining because the analogy is very akin to gold. 
right? Started out with like a few jabronis who go up to the mountain with a pickaxe, and they're like, "Yeah, man, there's totally gold in them there hills." And then they end up getting enough gold to buy better equipment, and then they buy enough equipment to rent it out to people, and then right. all of a sudden you've got a gold mine, you know? Correct. And that mm-hmm. that's the way it's worked. Um, you know what? If you give me a second, I can go to blockchain.info and kind of tell you the main mining. There's BW.com, F2 Pool is a big one, uh, BTC.com, BTCC.com, Ant Pool. Um, and they rattle off, but the most important thing is that they do rattle off because of all these mining farms are decentralized and they're decentralized at a good enough proportion. It means that one can't take over the network. I see. Right. You know, if one network has control over all these transactions, which control where the value is going or not, then if somebody had like 80% of that network, well, they can do it pretty much whatever they want to do. But since it's decentralized mm-hmm. and it's grown out in this decentralized manner, there's really points of failure that don't exist. Because even if one mining farm goes down, there's going to be people that take its place because they see it as opportunity. Holy crap, F2 pool went down. Let's make our own mine real quick. That's 25% of the, the hash rate right there. That's 25% of the capital right there. Let's go after mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's a very intricate system, uh, very intricate. But the blockchain is designed to keep those blocks of transactions secured. So there's a record, there's a history of transactions, and it has that ledger that goes in each one of those blocks. right? And that's why people kind of see it as phenomenal, because at the very end of the day, uh, what it does, Frank, is it allows transactions to occur between entities without a third party. Mm-hmm. Right, because it, if it can be provable that it's in the blockchain, mathematically provable that it's there, I don't need a notary, I don't need a bank, right. Right. I don't need a government, I don't need people to check the system because I can just go look. Hey, man, what's your address? You said you sent it to this address. All right, give me the input, give me those the in and out address, just mm-hmm. like verifying if an email went through. Give me right. the input address, run it through the blockchain. Oh yeah, I see it went through on this day at this time. Cool. Boom. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of the big deal around Bitcoin. And another thing is it's scarce. New Bitcoin enter the system every 10 minutes, right? So every Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, these pools that are lucky enough to mine some, Mm -hmm. they get new Bitcoin. In fact, it's called a coin-based transaction where there is no output, no input. There's only, sorry, there's no output. There's only an input. Mm Mm-hmm called a base transaction new new coin comes in every 10 minutes right but there's only ever going to be 21 million coins so it's built uh, scarce so, like so gold. that's the cap that's the cap 21 million okay. and i'm a mathematician it's never going to reach 21 million if you keep having something you never get down to zero ever so mm. it's it's you know if bitcoin really takes off and becomes this reserve thing for the world It'll be like nineteen point nine 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 million coin, right? Keeps going on forever. or sorry, twenty, but it's never gonna be twenty one. Twenty one million is the cap. So there's no there's no theory that it could ever go above that? No. It 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 would be in order for so you know how all these updates we've been talking about for like years now you have to have consensus from the network, right? Or you fork. And that's what happens with software. So like with, when we're, when they're developing Google Chrome was probably a fork from other, some other sort of software, you know, Mm. they just forked it off and they were like, Hey, this is working really well. Let's just fork off and make Google Chrome. And then people were like, Oh, well, I'm just start using Google Chrome. Right. So Satoshi saw this when he built this, and there are forks allowed in the Bitcoin network, but the larger, more robust it comes, the harder it is to fork because people's actual money is involved. Mm-hmm. So you need a, the consensus algorithm for Bitcoin is something absurd. It's like 85% consensus of the network to move to a different chain. Right. Mm-hmm. So if somebody takes Bitcoin, they can fork off 
take the software, make all kinds of changes they want to it, but they'd have to consistently submit that back to the Bitcoin network and have enough of a network on the side built up to start building a blockchain of their own. It's most likely not going to go anywhere. Hmm. Right? People are doing that already. There's Bitcoin, there's Bitcoin Unlimited, there's Bitcoin... Um, there's another version of Bitcoin Classic. There's Bitcoin Classic, I believe. No, Bitcoin XT. But they're not winning. They're simply just not winning because people like this body of code better. And people... Oh, yeah. The capital is in this body of code. So... Yeah. To get that 21 million coin cap changed, uh, whew, it, I don't even see that ever changing because okay. it would take near 100% consensus of the network, and that's the value proposition of the entire network. You know, So people would say, like, why would we change the value? If we allow it to go unlimited number of coins, then that's not really Bitcoin. That's a different coin, and people do. There's lots of currencies out there. Lots of yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, no. What brought that up was just the fact that, uh, like for example, in your uh, episode one, you stated, you know, that money was backed by gold. Well, then, you know, the rich got rich, and they said, you know what, money is going to just be what we say it is, or excuse me, the dollar is going to mm-hmm. just be what it's, we say it is. So, I didn't know if there was a theory that it could ever reach, uh, you know, oh, Bitcoin will just be capped at what we say it is. So, yeah, they, that's they'd have to go. Yeah, that's not something that they could change with the with a stroke of a pen. They'd have to go into the programming, change the software, and then get the whole network to get consensus on the software too, and run the chain long enough so that's the longest chain. There's way there's too many protocols in place in the software for that to ever change. Because when they could just make an easier change and say, "Hey, we built this other coin, use that coin, or okay. go for it, go give gotcha. it a shot," you know. So yeah, that doesn't change. There's a little more math involved in that too, because each each one whole coin is actually one million units, right? So it's divisible to the millionth decimal point, which allows for a lot of commerce. So when you look at it at the face value, you're like, oh, 21 million, that's only six zeros. Well, 21 million divisible by one million, that's now 12 zeros, right? So that gives right. you a lot more room for commerce. That gives... Bitcoin, a lot of upward mobility. You know, so when you look at the price like today, it's $909. I checked it before we started the interview. $900, $909 for one Bitcoin, right? But what if you divvied that up into the millionth decimal point? Or what if you made a thousandth of a Bitcoin, $909, right? Oh, wow. Or what if you made a thousandth of a Bitcoin, a dollar, just for easy math's sake? Yeah. Like, ah, uh, we're going to make a thousandth of a Bitcoin, a dollar. We're going to call it a millibit. Right, a millibit's a dollar. Just so we can do the math. Well, if a millibit's a dollar, then that nine hundred nine dollar Bitcoin would now be ninety thousand nine hundred dollars. That's a lot of upward mobility for <laughs> commerce to take place, right? Yeah. And so, the thing is, is I usually don't like to talk about money, but why not? I'll give it a different shot. So, let's talk about it from a market standpoint. Say, me, you. Me, you, Frank, and you, Dylan, are the only three on this Bitcoin network, right? And we have, like, so much of it. Then the fourth person wants to get involved, but they're like, hey, I want to buy something from this fifth person, but I'm going to need some Bitcoin to do that, right? Because they they take Bitcoin and they want Bitcoin. So there's two people coming in, and we're the only three in there. And then we're like, well, we're just going to have to make these worth a lot more if I'm going to have to divvy up some to give you guys some, right? right. Because I'm not gotcha. just – yep. Absolutely. You know, not just going to give away money. Yeah, we've each got 33%, and I like my 33%, but if you want to take place in how we're doing commerce and you need some of this to be a part of our system, we're just going to have to make our stuff a little more valuable because I'm not going to sacrifice value just so you can get your widget. Right? Absolutely. So the more robust the economy becomes, you start seeing things sectioned off. Like, this is the piece of Bitcoin that sees a little bit of the derivatives market and in order to have this other market to coexist within it we've got to increase the value of bitcoin as a whole just to allow for the velocity of money to flow through so right. that's that's my long-term play i feel like yeah if bitcoin takes off it's got to be valuable in order for people to be transacting all this value on it right? yeah gotcha. throwing ethereum and the blockchain 
and all of a sudden you've got this way to program money and contracts and build businesses in a way to where it kind of I don't know I think Dylan you posted the video of the Tesla that was communicating yes. like yes. man I almost couldn't sleep last night I was so excited when I saw that but <laughs> Tesla was oh, uh, driving down the street go ahead go ahead uh was that the I didn't post the acorn was that the acorn yeah, the uh, acorns thing. No, that, that, uh, who else was that? I can't remember who that was. But that was Mark. No, uh, that was yeah, Mark. that's who it was. Yep. Yeah. No, that was great though. And that's I did pass that along to Frank and some of the yeah, other guys. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's that that needs to go viral like today. Like that yeah. needs to go viral because that's what Ethereum allows. It allows for the Internet of Things to start communicating with things, right? So right. you don't have to be a part of it. Like I remember, I I was listening to a guy from. Uh, what's the Bit Bitfinex? It's one of the largest exchanges, and he was w- talking about a project that his friend was working on for Twenty One Dot Co, which is a company that is actually building these like Bitcoin chips. Their long play is to build these Bitcoin chips that go into all laptops. Hmm. So you know how you see a laptop has a sticker that says like Intel i7 swoosh right. and you're like hell yeah I'm getting that i7 shit I'll run excel mm-hmm. all day like <laughs> you can... <laughs> so, so then you know maybe sometime in the long future you'll see another sticker on there with some company that says you know this is this can communicate with the bitcoin network or this can communicate with the ethereum network you'll see those things on there cuz if they're communicating then they're also mining at the same time or right. at the very least a node a node is just as important as a miner uh, mm-hmm. people in the community will disagree with what i just said i will tell them to uh go where the sun doesn't shine but <laughs> I, I think a node is just as important as a miner but anyways you could start to see things like amazon wants all these drones flying around well guess what i own airspace over my home and my land so if you want your drone to fly over my land you're gonna pay my router with that drone so you better make sure your drone has the money or when you fly over, like, you know, it allows for this weird future to kind of exist. Like, yeah, these Amazon drones are flying about, but you're getting paid for it. Yeah. Like you're, you log on to your router. It's like, oh man, I made $25 this month off of Amazon deliveries. Sweet. I didn't even mm. need to do anything. So otherwise I'm going to be uh, standing in the backyard with my drone disabling shotgun. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> Did Ready you, to take them down. Did you see that uh, military-grade drone-disabling shotgun they have? I did not see that. Yeah, it freezes the drone right there, and then it just drops. Wow. You get, Well, uh, it doesn't drop uh, You know, based on the gravity. You, you bring it down, and then it just sits on the ground. You walk over, and you take the drone. What? I need uh, to see yeah. that video. Yeah. Yes. So it doesn't it's, – it's not a shotgun as in you're not no, shooting it. No, it's throwing it. Correct. It is in the shape of a shotgun, and you're uh-huh. aiming at it, and it just takes over, I guess, all of its uh, communication and networking, and then it just lowers the device to the ground, and then you walk over, <laughs> and it's disabled. Wow, dude. We're, like, living Perfect. in Mission Impossible times. It's just, Perfect. It's getting too yeah. intense. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. it. So, enough about me. I mean, that's how, that's how I got most of my Christmas gifts this year. But, uh... <laughs> Just <laughs> taking drones out of the sky. I got 10 so. droids looking at selling them on eBay. <laughs> well, there you go. Enough about me being a fanboy, which is where the show dangerously gets every time. You're good, you're good. Can I answer some more questions from you, Frank? So let me uh, let me put Frank on a track with you, uh, D. So Frank will continuously... Uh, be working at the office and then uh, he'll come up with, you know, some, uh, you know, his, you know, coffee break or whatnot. And first thing he does is he'll jump on, say, Amazon to check out if he can get a deal on some music equipment. So can you probably go into the options that he has with Bitcoin for purchasing things like that? Yeah. So we actually uh, we're very close friends with a company called Purse.io. They've been around for years years uh six years now no no four or five years now and what they do is they allow you to purchase anything you want on amazon at a discount so like 15 percent's the minimum but if you're willing to wait 
it can get up to 30% and they've even seen 40%, right? But you just have to pay with Bitcoin, right? So hmm. it's a new, they're trying to flip e-commerce on its head where instead of you go out and try and seek the lowest price, you say, mm-hmm. this is what I want to pay and see if the market will fulfill that for you, right? So, you so say, mm-hmm. is it on certain things or is it anything Anything I want? on Amazon. Anything Amazon. Amazon sells, right? Interesting. And it's specific to Amazon. Let me tell you why. It's such a – this is why I like love surrounding myself with just smart-ass weird thinkers, right? So what Amazon has been doing for like the past decade that no one has noticed is paying software engineers to write all this robust shit for them in right. Amazon gift cards, right? Hmm, it's wow. really strange, right? Instead of us paying you – it's – genius right like instead of me paying you in some money coming out of my account i'm just gonna pay you in the money i already have (laughs) in accounts receivable like this is the money i already have i'm gonna just start proliferating that out to the internet because but they didn't do it as like a genius play they did it as a we can't get money to these people all over the planet like they're working for us at this rate we can't do these leaps and bounds to get them money in their currency so we're just gonna give them something of value they know Amazon. Yeah. They know it has value. So, boom. They right. do that. But then what happened is one smart guy by the name of Andrew Lee noticed, like, these guys don't have a way. They don't have an easy way to turn those gift cards into money or into something tangible for themselves because there's gift card fraud. There's all sorts of questions that come up to someone when you're like, hey, man, here's your loaf of bread. And they're like, cool, here's, here's this Amazon gift card, you know. <laughs> they're like, yeah. what? No. So what happened is he's now given people like that that have been getting paid in Amazon gift cards and just anyone who wants to sell a gift card in general, this market to where they're actually taking their gift card and transacting transacting it for Bitcoin because they found yeah. it's actually much easier for these software engineers to take the Bitcoin and get things of value for it. Mm-hmm. So this whole market has existed. So what has happened is because there's so much Amazon gift card, there's so many Amazon gift cards in the world right now mm-hmm. that when you go on purse.io, you basically say, I want to buy this. Someone with an Amazon gift card will match it with the price that you want. So Amazon gets paid back in their accounts receivable Amazon gift card and you get sent your product and they get the Bitcoin. Nice. They can get the Bitcoin and spend the money however they want in their country or transfer it to whatever their country's money is worth. But they get the Bitcoin. You get your product. Amazon gets their money back. So Amazon doesn't even really care. That's why right. they just let it happen. Like purse.io, they, they make it no secret what they're doing with Amazon. And Amazon's so damn big, they don't even care. They're like, cool, we're well, getting yeah. our money back? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cue, so, cue the song, uh, spin that shit, spin that shit, spin the <laughs> gift card and get it right back. Yeah, spin that shit, get it right <laughs> back. So they don't, they don't care. So that whole market is created and now purse.io is taking advantage of it by saying, hey, mm-hmm. you name your discount and there's probably going to be somebody out here who's going to fulfill that, fill your order, you get your product, they get their Bitcoin, right? So purse.io, you get 15%. Sorry, you get five to fifteen percent off the jump, depending on mm. what the, where the market's at. So anything mm. you can find on Amazon, you will find on Purse.io cheaper. Hmm. You will. Wow. There's no if and or but about it, right? Um, but to get that, select your discount to name your price. You got to kind of wait on that. You got to see how the market okay. reacts, and they give you times. You know, like if you select the thirty percent discount, you're probably gonna be waiting for three weeks. If okay. you select a twenty percent discount, you'll probably wait a week. Okay. You know, like because so, it takes. Go ahead. So do you have to? Uh, so after you've created a purse.io account, mm-hmm. um, and say you have Bitcoin in some type of wallet, uh, let's say uh, Coinbase, um, do you? How do you go about purchasing yes. that? You just so Good go idea. ahead with that. So purse.io and Coinbase are actually partners. And you can have your Coinbase wallet sync with purse.io. So it's just an automatic one click of a button. Click, boom. So if you have money in Coinbase, you basically, just like you'd link your Facebook account, you link your Coinbase account, right? And so it's basically like a plugin. And so whenever you're shopping on purse.io, it's like you've, it's like 
it's essentially the same way as Amazon set up to where I one click purchase, same thing for purse.io, except your one click purchase is coming from Coinbase. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. that wallet is those two things are linked together. And so when you make your purchase, coin a little Coinbase thing pops up and says, Hey, are you trying to buy this for such amount? And you say, Yes, I am. Click and you sign it and Bitcoin does its thing. And then boom. There you go. Okay. Now, and cool. Frank, we got you a uh, account for both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're set up and you're ready to go. I've used Purse. It's amazing. It works. If you just want like the five to fifteen percent discount, same amount of time that you'd get from Amazon. Yeah. You order something and it shows up. There's one last caveat that they need to do something with the friction on this is you have to go to the website and verify if you've gotten the item. Right. It gives oh, okay. you kind of like a reputation score and it gives mm-hmm. it just kind of adds that layer of this is this system is actually working. Mm-hmm. You know, so you verify that you got the product in a timely manner and then they send off the Bitcoin to the person who wanted it. OK, what do you think That's about it. hardware wallets? Um, I like them. I tested out one and I watched Ken, our writer for the show, test out that he got his. Um, they're solid stuff. If you know where to keep a hardware wallet and know, you know how to store it, so nobody really has access to it, it's so. Not what, right. what is a hardware wallet? Go into that if you for quick with a hardware shield. wallet. So there's many different types, and they work in many different ways. When I say many, I say like maybe six to twelve. Now there's, um, but essentially the way it works is the actual hardware. The private key is generated in this device, right? So that goes into key signatures and things like that. So all this works is when we very first started this conversation, I told you about the key that unlocks the alphabet. Yep. Right. Right. That's called a private key. And you can generate through a math called the elliptical curve. Um, Basically, think of there's like infinity points on a parabola. You look like you're familiar with the parabola. Cool. There's like infinity points on a parabola. Take a parabola and make it, instead of just do this, I wish the audience could see me, it actually does this. Mm-hmm. So there's an infinite number of points on there. So if you take right. one point there, you can actually generate infinity public keys from it. Right. So infinity amount. Cool. Um, so hardware walls generate that one point on the elliptical curve. Right, in mm-hmm. the hardware wallet, it never touches the internet. It never touches a computer. It's generated in that hardware wallet. Right. So when it's accepting money, it's only accepting money through public addresses that it puts out onto the Bitcoin network. Right? Okay. But it actually generated a private key in that device. So it's a it's a lot more secure, um, in my opinion, on the personal aspect than keeping all of your finances on Coinbase, because. Right. In the community, we have the saying. It says, if you don't own the private keys, you don't own the Bitcoin. Because that literally is the key to unlocking the locker of however much Bitcoin is in it. Yeah. Right. So with Coinbase.com. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, because what if I'm kind of a tinfoil hat kind of guy and don't trust Coinbase? Then you can have a hardware wallet. And they work Right. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a bunch of them. Some of them are cheap. Some of them are expensive. I like I'm an expensive kind of guy. I was raised under the pretense like you get what you pay for. Sure. Um, you know, so like you, there's like $45 um big hardware bitcoin wallets and they I get a I see a lot of amazing reviews on them, but I want to be the one guy who paid 45 bucks and then 10 years down the road, you know, I'm losing a couple K that I had stashed in my $45 USB stick. I'd rather right. be the guy who shelled out 200 bucks for something that was nice and had consistent reviews and you know, mm-hmm. That's just me uh, on a personal point, but I could be wrong. I understand. You know? um, but that's the way it works. It, it generates that private key in the device, never really touches the internet. So all the right. Bitcoins that go into it are secured in that little device. You know? Yeah, the, a lot of the uh, the specs on different ones that I looked at basically said that it didn't even matter if your computer was infected with a virus or anything else just because it all it, resides it, within the, the, the unit. Absolutely. And I could be wrong on this. I'm not even going to say something, not to make an assumption like that. But <laughs> since it is 
since it is a hardware wallet, it's actually physically encrypted too, which is a whole. Mm. That, that means the electrons to store data are actually traveling different paths, right? Wow. And so, but I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to this, though. All right, so everybody has one of these guys now, because it's a law. The here I'm gonna hide my numbers. I'm a tin foil hat, but the little chip on the card, right? Right. Sure. If you look at each yeah. chip, they're mm-hmm. like you. There's there's only so many of them. They're uniquely different. That's mm-hmm. hardware encryption right there. The electrons right. are traveling on this chip a different way every time, so it makes it harder yeah. for the criminal to you know, do stuff. That's it's essentially what hardware wallets do too. Mm-hmm. So it's like physically encrypted. Are, the, uh, <clears throat> are those Bitcoin um, cards that you have, are those going chip or how does that work? Uh, I don't know. That's something I don't know. I know it's just straight magnet. Um, okay. I haven't tasted my first bit of fraud with it yet. I'm anticipating it coming one day, but I do know they essentially just send you. You know, I actually can't. I actually can't assume what will happen with that. If it, okay. if somebody does get my card number here with the shift card and use my Bitcoin, oh, I know what happens. You get a text message almost instantaneously when they swipe it at the cash register, and if it's not you. You know, you like just a go bank chase them down. Yeah. yeah. If it's not you, you just say, "Hell no, 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 I didn't right. do that." Shut it yeah. down. Yeah. And then if you try to be the idiot, it's like, "No, I didn't buy that," and you actually did. Then they're like, "Oh, cool. Well, now you get to go to jail for fraud, you idiot." Yay! Yay! <laughs> so enjoy yourself. Yeah, that's how they. I remember I talked to Andreas about that. And he cleared that up for me. So with a shift okay. card, every single time that card is pinged, whether you're got a reoccurring purchase online. Uh, mm-hmm. For bestbeards.com magazine. Right. You got, <laughs> right. Or you got, you know, microphone equipment you're paying for. It's going to ping your phone. You get texted. And mm-hmm. you can, you know, if it's not you, if you don't notice the transaction, say no. So, um, cool. That's how that so works. How, uh, how often do you use Bitcoin? I mean, you're all up in this. You've been, you've been doing this for a while. How often do you buy things with Bitcoin? Uh, a lot less than Corey, but I'd say like three to four times a month. Three to four, four times, times a month. month. Um, shout out Is to that... the nerds. Buy little magic cards from here <laughs> to there. I buy magic cards. Uh, there's like several purchases I make. Do you, uh, huh? Well, I... what's that? Well, you were going to ask a question. I was just letting you go. Or sorry, sorry, I wasn't going to ask a question. It sounded like you were going to ask a question. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I thought. Well, I was, and then uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulty. Yeah, gotcha. it's all good. No, what I was trying to say is uh, how – is this just because um, you just don't buy a lot of stuff in that domain? Or, I it's, mean – It's for two reasons. It's a weird psychological effect. You'll see okay. me buy more things when the price goes up. I don't know why. I just feel more comfortable spending it. I can't explain it. Maybe it's a human nature kind of thing. But okay. when the price is up a little bit, like when the right near right after Christmas, it went up yeah. to like eleven hundred dollars. I win now. I bought something real nice for my family because it was right after Christmas. Like I paid for cool. paid for a real nice dinner or something. Got it. Okay. I realize that could be a really expensive dinner sometime in the future. <laughs> If, I see if they go that way, but I was like, yeah, why right. not? I'll spend some, help generate the economy, show the use case. Uh, for the most part, I hold it, and then I also trade Bitcoin against Ethereum. I Got I it. traded heavily last year. I stopped doing that like back in July. Um, okay. But I used to trade it. I trade Bitcoin against the other cryptocurrencies. Um, uh-huh. There's a whole rabbit hole there. I don't yeah. think we. Yeah. There's. A, <laughs> if so, you go to Coin, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I actually have uh, gone to, I can't remember the name of the site, but it basically shows you the consistent, or the, excuse me, not the consistent, but the current value of all these different cryptocurrencies. And uh, Bitcoin's at the top, mm-hmm. and then um, you've got all the rest underneath. And do you think that someone's going to, Maybe a first timer will go there, see that Ethereum is less than Bitcoin. You know, one Bitcoin is nine hundred dollars. 
one Ethereum unit is $10. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think because of that discrepancy, that great discrepancy, that now more people invest in Ethereum because, hey, I can buy a shit ton of those. Yeah. And, you know. You, sir. Theoretically, it can only go up, is what you're saying. You, sir, <clears throat> are an intelligent man. So we've already seen um, evidence to that. I've been watching those mm. markets. I've seen that when Bitcoin is moving, Bitcoin's doing a lot of things, but Ethereum uh-huh. is not, which implies mm. that Ethereum is starting to establish its very own market it's very own not that dependent on bitcoin market Mm -hmm. there used to be very very there used to be a very clear dependency when bitcoin will go up ethereum will go down because a bunch Mm. of the nerdy types were like oh i'm gonna throw my money in bitcoin real quick and let it ride up and then put it back in ethereum so there was this bitcoin up ethereum down ethereum up bitcoin down Mm -hmm. that's not happening so predictably anymore and that's just for me trading it day in and day out all last year looking at the markets like oh this is Mm -hmm. different behavior and you're right um which is why i have quite a bit of ethereum as well but Mm -hmm. it the thing about the the cryptocurrencies is that oh here's another thing on first.io they have a built-in it's called a shape shift so you can actually Mm -hmm. pay purse in any cryptocurrency you want and really? the purse can get any cryptocurrency they want. Huh. It's called shapeshift.io. And okay. it's this guy named Eric Voorhees. He was a Bitcoin evangelist. Is what you, we call them Bitcoin evangelists because yeah. they were the ones that were smart enough to buy hundreds of thousands of these damn things <laughs> when they were like worth pennies. So now this guy's just sitting on more wealth than he's ever had in his life. Yeah. yeah. You know, and... um so Voorhees made, and but he's still making things. He made Shapeshift, which allows you to send a cryptocurrency to Shapeshift, and it automatically spits out the cryptocurrency you want in return. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and it happens like it happens like that. Like now, are you saying turn? Are you, are you referring to it as a converter? It's just yeah, immediately it's basically okay. like a very. Okay. It's like the Maserati of currency exchanges. Okay, gotcha. And it's built. I have a wallet. And Corey has the same wallet where Shapeshift is built into the wallet. So say if I have 150 okay. Bitcoin or – no, sorry. Mm. That's stupid. Say if I have like – Say if I have like half a – Say if I have like half a Bitcoin and it's like, ah, let me see if I can – I'm going to switch this to Ethereum real quick because I want to buy something with Ethereum. Or I'm going to switch this to whatever because I need to send that to somebody. You can go in yeah. the wallet, say I want to turn this much Bitcoin into this much Ethereum and hit the Shapeshift button and it – Spits it out wow. and puts it in all in the same wallet. Or if, for example, uh, the restaurant or whatever you're at would take Ethereum over Bitcoin, you would then do that in that case? Yeah, that would be a case okay. too if that okay. existed. Like if there was – I'm pretty sure some coffee shop out in Silicon Valley yeah, has to like – we take all of the cryptocurrencies. Come on in. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And you can pay in whatever you want. And yes, you could just pay in whatever you want and they get what they want. It's called ShapeShift. And he – Very cool. He, it was cool when we interviewed him. He built mm. it in mind with like one day all these governments are going to have their currencies too. That's not just going to go away. Like oh. these are entrenched human ideas. Like they're not going anywhere. But what if you go to Germany and you want to make a quick exchange? You don't have to go to some random bank in Germany and hand them like cashier's checks or however you do that. I don't even know how you do that. But mm. you just open your phone app on whatever bank. And you say, hey, I want to turn these dollars into euros real quick. Shape shift them. Just yeah. change it right there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, so, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a great point. And, and just with the, uh, with the acorn thing, you know, eliminating the need for so many, so many things uh, along the chain of, of commerce. But uh, you got to think there, there will be a few out there that, are going to be so happy about that. Yeah. That are going to, they, they're going to want to retain the control. They're going to want to, uh, you know, I, I think that'll be one of the things that's kind of, will kind of stand in the way. I mean, but you know, I mean, since when has greed ever gotten in the way of progress? I personally I can't <laughs> think of one, one example ever. I think I'm going to quote <laughs> that. Yeah. Just, just ask for, ask Nikola Tesla, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Uh, sorry, Dylan, it, what were you going to say? No, 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 no. That's 
it's you you make a great point that you know there's a lot of people that stand to lose a lot from yeah. in a world where bitcoin and cryptocurrencies digital assets are working well and trusted by people mm-hmm. you know there's you know but technology wins progress can be staunch but technology wins now this yeah, just seems so. like uh finally a a point where people would be eliminated that aren't like lower end in regards to things uh for example like um lower end workers being taken out by machines and stuff mm-hmm. this is finally somebody that uh, this might be something that is um removing high paid and very well off people which mm-hmm. is uh which is interesting as well yeah um it gets really philosophical when you start thinking into the possibilities of bitcoin real quick um you know, when That's machines are doing commerce with machines and we understand right. that commerce right. and we now have eight to ten hours left in our human days to do whatever. It's like, do mm-hmm. we just spiral into a drug bender or do we like <laughs> figure out how to fold the universe? We got two directions we can go like, mm-hmm. you know, you look on one hand and you got like just people that would like, well, well, now with all this extra time and these machines doing everything like I guess I'll just heroin. Why not? But, like, <laughs> but wow, he's, he's the, going serious. Yeah, right. but there's also a group of humans that would be like, "We've got all this extra time. We've always wanted to think about this really cool shit. Like, let's do some stuff." That's what technology does. It takes these leaps in getting you your time back. Like, we aren't lugging these rocks back and forth now because now we have this thing called the wheel. Cool. Mm. We're not spending months building this hut because we've got this pulley system that Joe built. Shit's crazy. Like, so they start <laughs> building all these technologies to give ourselves more time, right? And then when we get this time back, we make another leap. You know, we had the airplane and we started getting all this time and travel back. And they were like, fuck it, let's go to the moon. Why not? Like, let's right. shoot for it. We got all this time. We might as well figure this shit out. What else are we going to do? Let, you know, Jack do the heroin. Just keep an eye <laughs> yeah. on it keep an eye on them but but that's what it does and that gets really philosophical and but yeah if machines are communicating with machines and doing commerce with themselves just fine we just have to make sure it doesn't turn into terminator 2 and we're good to go so but um more questions i'm here to answer more how long are we running let me check what are we and we are at time so, one more question, and then let's wrap it. If you have All any right. more questions. Uh, last question, I guess, would be, how long do you think it'll take Bitcoin to become just synonymous, a household name, instead mm. of something that's kind of just out there and only techies really use how long yeah. do you think it'll take um it depends on where you are in the world mm-hmm. here well, fair, enough. fair enough here, here is what I people are in the tragedy of um the tragedy of excess where we don't sure. really have a need don't want a need my mm-hmm. my banking app, I I could talk shit about banks, but that app is fucking amazing. It allows me to get like automatic bills set up so quick. I know when right. I'm getting, I know when bills are coming out and going in. I can, you know, it's just it's so good and it's so convenient. Oh, and by the way, since I'm already in a position, I can probably get a credit card this afternoon if I want one. I can have access right. to new revenue streams. Of course, it's credit, mm-hmm. but it is not revenue. I shouldn't say that. It's capital. Access yeah, to capital. It's gonna get right? you what you want. A lot of places don't have that, and they don't even have access to that, and they don't even have the access to begin to get the access. But what's unique and what's happening is in places like Venezuela, India, Brazil, people are bypassing that stuff and actually using Bitcoin, like mm-hmm. to do commerce. Like there's a story in Venezuela that I heard where everything is so horribly socialized in Venezuela, right? Right. So. Like to get the the cost of groceries, the government made it go up so high that their actual government currency, it was too expensive for them to live. So they were using Bitcoin to access the black market to ship in groceries from like Cuba just to live. 
You know, so that's a we, that's a use case that you don't see coming, but people are using it to live. And that's right. to me that's that's interesting. And you know, right. at the same time Venezuela is doing those things, they're banning cash like for people and then giving them 48 hours to turn in all their cash. Like, hey, those $100 <laughs> bills that you've been using to live off of and pay your bills, um they're illegal now. And Jeez. you're going to use this government card thing to do all of your commerce. So uh, good luck into the bank. Oh, you didn't make it to the bank. Oh, you're poor now. We're still rich though. Cause we're the government. Like, <laughs> so those uh, kinds of things are happening around the world that, you know, you just, you're not going to hear when you turn on CNN. I was you're just not going to hear when it. you turn on Fox, you know, right. it's just not going to happen. So Bitcoin, it all depends on where you are in the country. My, if I could put on my Nostradamus cap, Bitcoin is going to become a much bigger deal around the world before it becomes a bigger deal in the places like Australia, not Australia, but Australia, the UK. Maybe Euro is going to catch on quick because Euro is not doing too hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and America, of course, with the dollar. And I think when the rest of the world, it's kind of it's going to be like metric system versus standard units. Got the rest it. of the world is going to be like, man, we just let's just go to Bitcoin. It's easier. People are using it. Yeah. There's all these. They built all this cool ass shit and it just works. Like right. this one guy built a bank you can have in your pocket. Like it's cool. Like mm-hmm. let's just use Bitcoin. Figure out a way to regulate it. Let it happen. And then the U.S. is going to do what the U.S. does. And it's like, well, we got these battleships and how those work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to need to get some sort of cut, and then we'll yeah. keep things moving. But. <laughs> Either that or we'll see, like, instead of reefer madness, like, Bitcoin madness. Yeah. It's, well, they are, they've already tried that, and they're losing that battle. Like, a, oh, yeah. according to the media three years ago, I was a terrorist, a pedophile, or pornographer, and a drug dealer all in one person. According Because I use Bitcoin. <laughs> and then me, I was like, well, I'm just in here making lesson plans. So right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm doing any of that stuff. So No, literally – Every time I've said, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, uh, I kind of work behind the scenes uh, with some guys that do a Bitcoin podcast. Um, didn't that get busted? Uh, <laughs> uh, you're busted. referring, yeah, you're referring to um, Silk Road. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And they used a Bitcoin currency, yes, right. and they did get busted. I mean, the connotation at times for the person that's not really. Uh, educated or been on the d on ramping show uh, hey marketing you know <laughs> nice plug nice plug <laughs> no wonder he let you on the show today <laughs> <laughs> you should come on every show come on come on all um, um but i did uh i did think of one thing um so we should probably have uh, snoop dog come on and um, okay kind of be the face of you know, some of our movements. So you can cryptify <laughs> some things. <laughs> wow. Cryptify. I'm making that a word now. I'm going to lose all respect in this community. If I had any whatsoever. Did he oh, just well. cryptify? <laughs> Anyways. Right. Um, no more dad jokes. Great, great questions. Uh, I think it's going to be to- slower to take in America because obviously the dollar's the reserve currency, and when you're the king of the castle, you don't necessarily want people taking out the bricks. Right. So, um, other countries need it. They need it fast because their yeah. governments don't know what they're doing, and then their Venezuela. governments are going to be. Go ahead, Dill. I said Venezuela. Venezuela, like India, uh, some places in South Asia, they need it. Because it's not their fault their government doesn't know what they're doing, but their government's taking their money. So Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's it's going to be an interesting story, and I hope it's one that ends well. I'm just going right. to keep trying to educate one person at a time and measuring it. So There you go. Um, Yeah. If you could do me one favor, Frank. Mm-hmm. If you could say, play the outro. Play that outro. There we go.